this episode of Council of the Wise Developers. I, Johnny McCodes, have a chat with the head of the council, Enoch Wise. Then, Enoch Wise interviews Baruch Sadogursky, developer relations with JFrog. If a library or framework was created more than two years ago, does it even exist? Johnny McCodes here, going to visit head of the council, Enoch Wise. Uh, he likes to record his meetings, management excellence or something. Anyway, I'm in the elevator and about to... Here we are, heading over to Enoch's office. Johnny, get, get in here. Hello, Enoch. Podcast is going well. Fuck the podcast. We, we need to talk about your job performance. Oh, is there a problem? I have 40 Haskell jobs perpetually running in the cloud, gathering metrics on your performance, Johnny. Management is what you measure, and your measurements suck, Johnny. What? I'm really surprised to hear... Average email response time, 70 seconds. Those are Microsoft numbers, Johnny. Bottom of the barrel. Johnny, I need to take immediate managerial action in response to this performance. Please see the email my Haskell job just sent out to you and review it carefully. It needs your digital signature. Mr. McCodes, we here at Council of the Wise Developers care about growing the skills of our employees. That is why, effective immediately, we are placing you on a performance improvement plan, a six-week program where we will build your core skills and... Wait. Enoch, are you pipping me? We here at Council of the Wise Developers can only retain the top performers, Johnny. I'm your only worker, and I'm a contractor. I do everything you ask me to. Johnny, these management methods have been proven effective at uh, uh, top companies like WithoutRelent.com. I'm the manager, not you, and managers are right a lot. Who the hell else are you going to find that puts up with your bullshit, Enoch? I can only afford uh, A players on this team, Johnny. I know, I, um, know this is true because I saw it on a, uh, uh, a LinkedIn post. I can't believe I let you record this conversation. I'm not signing this document. Give me a call if you want me to keep working for you. Get back here, Johnny. If you uh, walk out of here, Johnny, you're showing a, a lack of podcast listener obsession. Enoch Wise, Management Excellence Academy. Boop, 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 boop. Now, let's hear from our sponsor. Are you a software engineer working for a company no one has heard of? Is your self-worth a vacuous hole in your chest that only external validation can fill? Well, boy, have we got the solution for you. A corporate monopoly! That's right. All your problems will melt away 
when you land a high-paying gig at a ruthless extraction engine your parents will know by name. We're Interview Dick Kick. We help software engineers like you grind algorithms to pass artificially inflated hiring bars at top companies. And once you do, you'll be validated with an upper-middle-class income. Of course, by definition, you are on a treadmill of pleasing others that can never end in happiness, but strangers will be impressed when you say where you work. Visit our website today to learn how to get started in compromising yourself for a fleeting, superficial sensation of self-importance. Top companies want to hire you! Though, even once you get there, you'll always be looking over your shoulder, worried about keeping your high income, unless you grind yourself into burnout. Interview Dick Kick. Who's going to be impressed at a party when you say that you found inner happiness? <laughs> I have a Tesla. And now for the interview segment. It is at last time. Let the leader of the council come forth. Enoch Wise is our glorious leader, a billionaire transhumanist 10xer on the spectrum. Every time Taco Bell doesn't give him enough hot sauce packets at the drive-thru, a major internet site goes down within two hours. I give you Enoch Wise. Hello. My name is uh, Enoch Wise. I'm here with uh, Baruch Zadogorski, uh, developer relations for JFrog. Yes, yes, that's me. You work for developer relations. Why would anyone want to be near a developer? These uh, mouth-breathing parasites who sit in front of computers all day eating Cheetos. I'm a developer, so... Well... I guess you know what you are. I think developers are people who actually create things. How about that? What, like pornography and surveillance systems? Everything, including pornography and surveillance systems. But also everything that we use day to day. Well, also Bitcoin killer robots, I guess. Or also under That's the everything we yes. use every day. That's uh, pretty much correct. Why don't you tell me about JFrog? Yeah, JFrog is a company that does tools for DevOps, actually, that is, that is used by developers and uh, ops people and everything in between. Um, when developers develop software, they need to release it, and it's hard. And DevOps makes it a little bit easier, hopefully, at least. So, uh, Baruch, when, when someone mentions to you that DevOps is a, a, a philosophy, uh, not a job title, do you, do you slap those people in the face or kick them in the shins? No, no, that's me. That's the, those people are me that say that developer engineer, DevOps engineers mm -hmm. do not exist and it's not a title. That's me. Okay. So... How do you go through life knowing that companies don't give a shit about that and are calling people DevOps engineers? It's uh, it's an uphill battle. Yes. Well, so uh, JFrog uh, is a place uh, where one can 
put their artifacts, right? You can publish packages to uh, JFrog. Is it? Is it? You can do on-prem or in the cloud or, or other options? That is very true. One of the products of JFrog is called Artifactory, right. and that's the storage for for binary files and for artifacts. Right. Well, Artifactory, you kind of guessed. Um, it's not everything that JFrog does, does, but that's kind of the... Uh, the bread and butter and this is what we do for like 10 years and it's also the most like um, I would say uh, foot and door kind of tool that you use from JFrog you start we hook you up on Artifactory because you need place to dump your binaries and from there you're like you you just drink the Kool-Aid all the way to having the entire JFrog platform in your mouth if Artifactory is your foot in the door product uh what is your foot in the ass product when we actually so artifactory is the umbrella and then you ask what's going on when we open it oh well an umbrella uh, well that depends wow. on what this interview is getting very hard yeah. getting very quickly all right well um what what else can jfrog do in terms of devops Oh, that's a better question. Yeah, so we have uh, we have a Every security solution that scans. Go ahead, I'm just amazing. Oh yeah, yeah, that's what they do. So um, we have uh, we have a security solution that scans those artifacts that you put into Artifactory. That's called JFrog X-Ray, and then uh, we have an orchestrator for the pipeline that the artifacts go through. The minute they are created with continuous integration tool, uh, all the way to when they are actually deployed, this is all orchestrated by what's called JFrog pipelines. Um, uh, there is also tool for distribution, P2P into the cluster, IoT, you name it. So basically, we take those artifacts and deliver them to where they should be used. So it's everything starting from when the artifact is created, like starting from code all the way to production, we have them all. Okay. So uh, this X-ray tool that scans packages, uh, if it detects any uh, .jar or .war files, does it alert you to being a failure at life for writing Java? Uh, you can configure it uh, to yes, excellent. do that. Considering that uh, Artifactory is written in Java, uh, I think that tool won't what that rule won't be there out of the box. Right. But you can most definitely do that. But anyone can learn, is what you're saying. Okay, I got that. That's awesome. So, how many uh, Haskell artifacts uh, does JFrog, or how many formats does JFrog support for Haskell? So we definitely support some kind of this functional programming artifacts. Let's put it nicely. Um, I think um, what it was, the JVM one. Uh, F sharp. No, that's the. No, the one, one that uh, Leningen is the package manager. Scala? Not Scala. Scala oh. is. No, Scala it's SBT. Closure, thank you very much. So we support Closure, we support Scala, we support a bunch of functional programming okay, gags. Baruch, it uh, seems Haskell. like you're dancing around the fact that you don't support Haskell. Yeah, because who uses it anyway? I mean, it's Haskell, you know? Yes, it's, it's, just like... it's just like, you know, 
the greatest programming language ever created. That used by two people? Yeah, well, and one of them is me. Enoch, so, I mean, what else do you need to know? Yeah, Enoch and your, and your imaginary friend? Well, the lawyers are still working on proving he's real, but we don't need to get into that right now. All right, okay, let's move on. So, Baruch, um, even though JFrog is clearly an essential failure of a product because it does not support Haskell, I guess it does support other popular languages. Um, so, how does JFrog help with the growing problem of supply chain attacks? That's exactly what Xtreme does, right? So, okay. uh, well, actually, the conjunction, the 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 combination of Artifactory and Xtreme. So, right. for um, for securing the supply chain, you basically need two things. You need the trust in the source of the artifact from one side, and then you need the trust of the content of the artifact. So basically you say, okay, I want to check this artifact. And then once I checked it, I want to make sure that it's the same one every time. Right. And that's exactly what the combo of X-Ray and Artifactory does. Okay. You checked it once, you know that it's safe, and then you host it, and then you know that it cannot be replaced by middleware, malicious attack or, or, or anything else. I would never willingly write JavaScript, but there's a lot of high-profile problems in the uh, NPM ecosystem these days. So, uh... so you take control over the artifacts, you make sure you trust them, and then you can um, uh, you can work with them. By the way, you know why there is no like malicious artifacts in Haskell? Because it's the greatest language ever created. No, because no one cares. No one even bothers to create malicious artifacts for Haskell. It's the same reason why there are no viruses in Linux. Because no one uses it, so why bother? I don't like where you're going with this, but I'm going to take it as a positive for Haskell and move on. So, Baruch, I'm very interested in this uh, artifactory plus X-ray combo. Uh, let's just say... Uh, <clears throat> A friend of mine <laughs> really wants to hack into Chuck E. Cheese's servers. Can we do the opposite of what you're doing with supply chain defense? And Can I, uh, if I pay JFrog enough money, uh, upload one of my uh, definitely not malicious wink-wink artifacts up to uh, their artifactory internal? So your best hope will be that they don't use any um, any artifact repository and just go and download their dependencies directly from the central repositories, from NPM registry. Because if that's the case, you might be in luck and, uh, you know, then you can try and pull um, type of maybe a dependency confusion attack or maybe take over on GitHub of one of the dependencies that they use, and this will give you way in. What you seem to know a lot about, um, let's say, penetration testing. <laughs> wink, wink. Uh, so what are you doing on the weekends? Do you go on tour uh, not and hacking, offer your services? Defin most definitely not hacking into Chegage's servers. No, that's... I would Too never high profile do that for you? because, uh, well, because why would I? It's like it's uh, 
it's significant that I think it's a federal crime mentioned by name hacking into Chuck E. Cheese. Are you by chance uh, on the dark web, uh, Poopy Fart 069? I cannot confirm nor deny. Okay. Have you ever been to a Chuck E. Cheese? But uh, I accept. I accept all kind of crypto cryptocurrency for different consulting yes, yeah, services. Yes, different you know services. I mean. <laughs> wink, wink. I get where you're going with this. All right, we'll we'll be talking afterwards. I'll give you my dark web handle. All right. Well, uh, have you ever been to a Chuck E. Cheese, Baruch? Um. Do you know what you they have are? No proof. You have no proof. <laughs> well, let's just say. The allegations against me and the reason I got kicked out of that Chuck E. Cheese are all false. All right, well, Baruch. Uh, was it related to pizza or to the trampoline? They do need to work on their meatballs and the pizza. That's all I'm going to say. Um, yeah, all right. That's what, that's what I expected. And uh, you, you don't need to be ashamed of that. A lot of people get in the same kind of trouble with the meatballs and the pizza. I actually don't know what shame heard... feels like, so... Not I heard really stories. I heard stories. Okay. Especially during COVID, when all they did was pizza. That was uh, that was intense. Yeah. Well, tell me, uh, what developers? What do develop? Does the average software developer? I mean, besides being uh, uh, stupid and not worth hiring, uh, what do they not understand about uh, CI/CD and DevOps? So I think one of the biggest problems is, um, and I think we as an industry get past it, but it takes some time, uh, is to realize that writing code and having like sources which are good and, you know, uh, high quality, pass all the tests and everything, it's not job done. Right. Because in the end of the day, job done is what the customer sees. The only quality that matters is what customer experiences. And that means that there are a lot of steps in the lifetime of software, which are part of our job, whether we like it or not. Right. Continuous integration, continuous delivery, um, progressive rollouts, testing in production in this way or another, feature flags. In the end of the day, everything that affects how the user consumes our software is part of our responsibility as the developers. Yes. And a lot of developers don't get that. They were like, okay, I wrote my code in Haskell. That's the most beautiful piece of software in the world. I committed it to GitHub and I don't care about anything else. That's wrong. Yeah, I mean, there's there's nothing worse than spending all the time as a developer to ship a feature for a social media platform. And then uh, the radicalized, uh, violent people show up together to overthrow democracy and you get a page not found error. I mean... What a horrible failure that would be. That's an interesting spin on it. I kind of, you know what? Yes, that would be having so, having written code that doesn't do what it's intended to do in production is kind of sad. We should reevaluate whether developing those products is worth in the first place, but once you want to deliver the product, if you don't, you are a failure. Yes, well, 
I like where you're going with this beating up on the value of software developers. Uh, sounds wonderful. By the way, if I make a point and it just seems so incredibly relevant, you can just call me uh, a genius or handsome at any time. That's that's totally fine. Uh, I will defer this judgment to a later date. I, I don't know why you do that, but all right. Anyway, well, Baruch, uh, I appreciate the interview thus far. Anything else you want to tell our developers about JFrog or... Uh, subverting uh, democratically elected leaders. Yeah, so my message would be exactly what I just said. Hey, folks, your code doesn't stop after you finished writing code. Your code leaves all the way to production, or at least it should. This is why you are here. This is why you are developers. You're creating added value. If you don't see it, your job is not done yet. So pay attention to DevOps because this is what makes your code into something that brings value and joy to people, including Enoch, although he won't admit to it. Yeah, I think that's well said, although you did leave out the part where they bring joy to the user and then, as the final step, realize they didn't write it in Haskell, go back and write it all in Haskell and then feel superior to other developers as they should. Refactoring is an important part of our job. Feeling superior to other developers, not so much. Oh, it's, it's the only reason I got into this. So I'm, we'll just edit that part out. I have no doubt about you and the other person who, who writes Haskell, which as we already established- Is definitely is real. Yes, plan. is definitely real. Thank you. Okay, well done, Baruch. You've made it to the main interview. Now it's time for the uh, <clears throat> lightning round. Cue lightning sound effect. So, you didn't notice, but I, while you were uh, blathering on about JFrog, I uh, walked a tiny mosquito-sized drone into your room, and it's sitting on the bottom of your chair, ready to give you a probably non-lethal electric shock. So what I'm going to do now is give you rapid-fire, hard-hitting questions about software development and business, and you have to answer honestly and truthfully, quickly, or you shall receive said electric shock. Baruch, are you ready for the lightning round? I am. I was born ready to get electrocuted. Now you sound like a software developer. Okay, let's go. Baruch, what's the best piece of uh, business advice you have ever heard? Probably from me. You don't have to know everything. You need to know people who know where to find answers. That's good advice, but as it happens, I do know everything. Uh, okay, Baruch, next question. Well done. What book would you recommend to our audience if you were me? Liquid Software by one uh, Baruch Sadogurski and uh, <laughs> co-founders and co-founders of JFrog, Joav Landman and Fred Simon. Um, if not that, if for some reason you already read it, and what another advice would be the Phoenix Project on uh, DevOps. Well, spoiler alert: uh, Liquid Software just means drink coffee. <laughs> okay, next question. Uh, you're not disagreeing with me, are you? What, just because you wrote I a book? You probably read the book, right? That's kind of, that's that what it means. You, you already did. 
Why bother reading it? I just summed it all up. I'm sure that's all you had to say. Uh, okay, so Baruch, next question. Uh, what's one attribute or characteristic of a successful founder th that I have? ADHD. Correct. Wow. Excellent answer. It took you a while, though. I almost had to shock you. All right. Uh, uh, Baruch, what's your favorite personal productivity practice that involves b biohacking yourself with an uh, illegal substance? Being excited about what you do, right? Really getting excited about the task in hand. That's the only productivity boost you need. Okay. Well, if you're not writing Haskell and you're excited, I agree. It should be illegal. All right. All right. Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, it's either uh, like stuff even more exciting than writing Haskell, like doing taxes, everything goes. You That might have been an attempt at a joke. I'm confused though. Let's move on. All right. Uh, what's a, a new... That's okay. Oh. You're a Haskell developer. I don't expect you to get every joke here. That's okay. I can't tell if you're belittling me or I'm just smarter than you. It's very confusing. Okay, well, let's move on. What's a new or, or crazy business idea you'd like to pursue if you have extra time, Baruch, but I would definitely uh, do better? Business idea. If I had extra time. Small drones that electrocute people. Definitely. <laughs> well, I already beat you to market. Sorry. Uh, What's an interesting or fun fact about you, Baruch, that would help me feel uh, superior to you? Uh, I do bungee jumping a lot. Wow. Why do you do that? Because it's fun and scary fun. Kind of like writing Python? <laughs> uh, like... I'll give you that. That was a decent attempt on a joke. Decent. What's one of your most important passions outside of your work, Baruch? And uh, how can you automate it? I like speaking to people, talking to people about stuff that is everything developer-related, developer relations-related, and help small startups get started and understand the value of developer relations. Um, if you automated, you basically automated me out of my existence, so it's impossible to automate. Well, anytime there's one less developer sucking up resources, I'm very happy. Um, so tell me, Baruch, final question. You've done well thus far, but this is the ultimate hard-hitting question. Are you ready? I am ready. Why aren't you as rich as I am? To be as rich that you are, I need to blow off a lot of money, and it's hard. Well, I have spent a lot of it on Haskell coin, but oh, I'm not supposed to talk about that yet. Okay, well, anyway, well done, Baruch. You made it to the lightning round, although one of those I almost had to shock you, but you did it. Not everyone can. Do you have any final words? Uh, yeah, so, folks... Be awesome, do your thing, uh, don't listen to people like Enoch who try to belittle you because you're all awesome and you're all great. It won't work, I'm belittling them too much, but uh, notable try. Thank you so much, Baruch, for coming onto the podcast. Thank you for having me, maybe, kinda. The regret usually kicks in about 15 minutes later. 
I'll get back to you on that. Okay. The Council of the Wise Developers is a satire podcast focused on technology. Our goal is to first make you laugh, but also to make you question what you already think. That means we may give you cognitive dissonance. Feel free to disparage us on your favorite social meds. If we do give you cognitive dissonance, but you think this turns out to be a negative and not a positive, leave us some feedback on councilofthewise.dev. We intend to carefully consider feedback from our subscribers and may address concerns in future episodes. Also, special thanks to freepd.com for supplying us with public domain music. Much of the music on the podcast comes from freepd.com.